Holy Spirit is going to bring you more than God's name. Wow, is it just that kind of day, everybody? Hallelujah. Are you all right? Okay. I am sure it will be. Like I said, I hope the Holy Spirit brings you more than God's name. You know, you just have those days, right? And uh, we're going to talk about family today. And man, if you want to have some real moments, we could just talk about family, right? So this, uh, yeah, help, help us, Lord. Let, Let me just pray. pray. Let me pray, pray again. I don't, I don't know. That, that microphone drop happened before I even said anything. anything so, uh, Jesus, we just need you. And um, with the microphone falling, with the technology glitches today, Lord, the gym is not available for us today, so our kids are outside. Um, it's summertime. Some people might be online right now or watching this weeks from now. And Holy Spirit, I just, again, out loud want to say that you are stronger and we need you. Uh, Lord, your spirit is what uh, what we need. And so, Jesus, we just invite you to send the spirit. We are grateful that you're always praying for us. You're always interceding. And God, help us to connect with you today. Amen. When did your family become a family? Was it when your parents got married? Was it when the last kid was born? Well, our family became a family of five on July 3rd, 2014. I don't know if the slide's going to work or not, but we have some pictures of the cuties, the askers. On July 3rd, we came home from China. And this is the kiddos in the backseat with Tobiah. That's, I think, our first picture of the three kids. And we uh, flew home. Calista and Elam were not with us on the trip over to China. And so the day that we became home, uh, the day we got home was the day we became our family. Now, I don't know if you know this, but when you adopt, you do a lot of paperwork. For us, it was two and a half years of paperwork. Brian and I signed document after document saying we were committed to this child. We didn't even know who he was yet. Even the big kids had to have medical examinations, including blood draws, so that we could prove that they were healthy and they weren't going to eventually have some sort of horrible health issue that would be a financial drain on our family. We all had to decide on some level to be the Asker Five, although Tobiah didn't have a whole lot to say in it as he was three and a half. He just had to receive it all. And eventually he did come to love the siblings that he got in the deal. However, there are some really hard times as this three and a half year old did not know any English. And we were all frustrated with some of the changes of adding a fifth kid to the family. And nine years later, sometimes things haven't changed. We just had family vacation. And really, and really all I have, have to say is family vacation for any of you with kids under the age of, let's say, 15, is it really vacation? It was, it was time away, wasn't it? Uh, we laughed. We played in a lake. Um, we played apples to apples. But we also fought. And we had expectations go unmet. And we got frustrated with our bowling form. But at the end of the day, we are and still will be a family. Maybe you didn't decide to be part of a family. You're a kid and you're stuck with where you are. Or maybe you got pregnant without trying. That does happen. I mean, we all know how it happens, but sometimes you weren't trying. But regardless of how, we are part of a family. Even those of us who choose to try to have children, we don't get to choose how those kids turn out. Or you can choose to try to have children and then you don't end up with any. Family, however, defines much of us whether we like it or not, and it is part of our identity. Identity is what we're talking about as we study the book of Ephesians this month. 
Someone, Someone once said, said the gospel is more than a free ticket to heaven. Instead, if Jesus is who he said he was, then our daily lives should really be impacted. It should just be some far-off future truth. It is real and practical. It's part of a life that follows Jesus. Now, some of you, whether online or in the room, may not have come to that decision of saying, yes, I'm going to follow Jesus. And so I want you to know that if Ephesians is one of those letters that really sketches out the good news about who God is, God's plan, and how we are to respect God in everything that we do. And I don't know if you've noticed, but the church could use some help. So if you have not yet chosen to follow Jesus, why don't you come on board because we could use you. This is what Paul is writing to Ephesians. What does it look like for God to have a plan? Who is this God and what does it look like as we follow Jesus? Paul celebrates the beauty of the good news to the point where he actually makes up words to try to define the goodness of God. Paul also includes practical advice of what it looks like. And we're going to walk through each chapter this month. So we're on chapter 3 today. If you missed the first two messages, do not dismay. They are online. Or go back in your Bibles, on your phone, whatever you might have, and read through the book. One major thing that the good news impacts in terms of our daily life is our identity, who we are. What defines us? When someone says, who are you? How do you answer? How do we say to the world, this is me? Anyone know that song from The Greatest Showman? Or even better, in biblical fashion, this is us. And wasn't that a TV show? Yeah, thank you, Hollywood. We shall see in chapter 3, this life following Jesus is much more than just a free ticket to heaven. So we're going to start in chapter 3, starting at verse 1. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for the sake of you Gentiles, and then there's this dash. Now, I have always been taught that Paul kind of doesn't finish his sentence here, but instead he does this, woohoo, big, long, I don't know in the Greek how many words it is, but it's a really, really long sentence. So what's funny, he interrupts himself with wanting to tell people about Jesus. He describes himself here as an apostle earlier in the letter, an apostle is someone who starts ministry, and as we know from Paul, he started a lot of churches. He also calls himself called by Jesus, one who prays for those in Ephesians, and here he calls himself a prisoner of Christ Jesus. However, it wasn't Jesus who put him in prison. It was Nero, actually. But because Paul is a follower of Jesus, Paul realizes his whole life is about Jesus. And so if he is in prison, it is for the sake of Christ. In Philippians 1.21, while Paul is in prison, he writes this letter to the Philippians, and he says, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm in prison, it's for Jesus. If I'm dead, it's for Jesus. If I'm alive, if I'm sharing the gospel, it's all for Jesus. So in, chapter, in verse 2, he continues with his interruption of himself, and he says, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery, I'm going to highlight a few things since the slides, oh, they are working, sort of. It's fine. You can read that. Fantastic. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been made known. I'm sorry, been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. 
This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, sharers together in the promise of Jesus Christ. Okay, okay this, this word mystery is in this passage three times. There's a whole lot of interesting background information about Greek, look it up later. But, but what, what I do want you to know is that this word mystery is a secret that was always meant to be revealed, but it has to be revealed by someone who holds the secret. Paul also, again and again, talks about how important revelation, being made known, or understanding is. Paul has been able to understand only because God has allowed it to be understood. God has revealed something to Paul. Revelation, things being made known, this goes, gets repeated over and over in the whole book of Ephesians. Now, now what is this mystery? What is this thing that has never been revealed before that Paul somehow has this like, secret insight? I was reading John Stott's commentary this week. John Stott is one of those names. Sometimes you Google great Christian thinkers, people who write um, commentaries. For Stott, he calls this mystery a double union. We get to be unified with God and with one another. No matter our background. Now, in previous times, the Jews really thought that they were special. And that it was through the Jews that there would be this connection with God. Well, the good news is, it's no longer, we don't have to become Jewish in order to get to God. That is now removed, and we all, through Christ, no matter who we are, no matter where we start from, it is through Jesus that we get to be united. I put it like this, I don't know if this is going to be funny or not, but you know how we say the one nation under God over and over again, right? Well, Israel was the OG of that. Does that make sense? Okay. Israel had that thought first. We are the nations under God. And Jesus is saying, and Paul is saying, no longer. It is all who are under God through Christ. Christ is who we are under. What had not previously been revealed is now revealed. And for the Jews, they might not have loved this. For the Gentiles, it was really good news. Because you could be a Jew or a Gentile, a woman or a man. You could be a kid or an old person. You could be black and red, yellow, blue, or any human in Christ can be under Jesus. And in Colossians and Ephesians, it actually also talks about the whole earth. So I don't want to get into, like, animals and the plants and everything. There is something God has for all of creation under Christ's lordship. And there will be no distinction. There's no, well, the Jews get it first, and then the Gentiles get the leftovers. In the old days, right, the eldest son, if you read it in Jane Austen, we all know this, it's the eldest son or the eldest male relative. Even if the daughters are all there, the poor girls just get kicked out, and some random nephew cousin comes in from nowhere and gets the estate, right? It's not like that in the kingdom of God. Everybody gets their share, a fair, just share. The blessing upon Abraham and the people of Israel extends to everyone through Jesus. And for the Gentiles, this was extremely good news. Paul says in verse 7, I became a servant of this gospel, this good news now that involves everybody, by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. Now, now I'm going to stop there. Sorry, I didn't say that earlier. Oh, good. Perfect. I mean, see, some things do work out, Christopher. So one of my Bibles that I love using is the First Nations version. 
One of the things the First Nations version does is it translates all of the names. And if you know me, I love that names words, I'm sorry, names mean things. I'm always talking about that. In the First Nations versions, whenever it says Paul, it says in parentheses, small man. Paul means little, little man. So when Paul is saying I am the least of the less of the least, he's actually referencing not just who he is emotionally and spiritually, but literally his name means little. And anyway, one of the reasons maybe to get different versions. All right, verse 10. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in Jesus, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. It's easy for believers to be frustrated and get discouraged when good people go to prison. And they were struggling with that. Paul knows who he is, however. He is not discouraged. He knows that he's a servant. He knows that he's a prisoner. He also remembers who he once was. Paul used to be Saul, and he was one of the most feared oppressors of the Christians of the day. He doesn't forget to be humble in the midst of it all. It talks about these boundless riches in verse 8. Scott has this amazing summary of this, so I'm going to try to share it with you. Hopefully it doesn't just have too many good things that you can't even handle it. Because I, when, when I see this list, it's like taking a drink of water from a fire hydrant, as my dad would say. Scott says it's like this. These riches are all made possible by the cross. Resurrection, victorious enthronement with Christ in the heavenlies, reconciliation with God, incorporation with Jewish believers in God's new society, the end of hostility and the beginning of peace. Last week we talked about the breaking down of walls. Access to the Father, membership of God's kingdom and household. And all of this is only a foretaste. It is only a foretaste of the riches of the glory of the inheritance to come when God restores the kingdom on earth as it was intended. It also says in verse 10 that the church is supposed to reveal the manifold wisdom of God. Now, again, if you go to other translations, either in the Greek or, thankfully, the First Nations versions, it will tell you that that manifold word is only used here in the Bible, and half the world word means many colors. So, so verse 10 in the First Nations version says, So that now, through his sacred family, his great wisdom, which is like a rainbow with many colors, will be made known to the powers and rulers in the spirit world above. Paul can't even think of words anymore to describe this. He has to start using colors. And it's the job of the church, the calling of the church, to reveal this wisdom of God, to the heavenly realms. Now, now I, I feel like, like this verse you should take out maybe and preach on later because I don't know if I fully understood this. I am just now getting my feet settled in the fact that my job is to help other people know Jesus loves them. And I can see you. But the heavenly realms and what we're doing as a church declaring the wisdom of God and how what we do impacts the spiritual realm, that really cooks my noodle. I can't, I can't grasp that. Paul continues with writing out a prayer, perhaps because he is also blown away by it. He says in verse 14, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. Uh-huh. Help me understand, God, I don't know if I fully grasp this. 
from, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of God's people to grasp how wide and how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all of the fullness of God. I remember in college being taught to insert my name into certain verses to kind of claim what the verses were saying, or even to figure out who I was. And I think that that's valid, but I hope we don't stop there. This is an opportunity for us to put in Big C Church, or us. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen us with power. That we all being rooted and established in love would understand that God, God loves us. In verse 20 and 21, Paul says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Paul makes up another word in there. When, when it talks, talks about immeasurably more, that's a little redundant, right? Paul literally makes up a word again. It's a super superlative, is what commentators say. I struggle to know how, then, to take these verses and try to think of the so what today. Ephesians kind of feels like I should just say you go home and read it. And then, and then let's come back and unpack it together because there are so many things. There are so many verses or there are so many words. Um, we could just say, man, I could just pray over this and try to receive it. But what I could see is what Paul believed and how it impacted his life. Paul knew God because God revealed the plan to Paul. Paul knew God, Paul knew God's plan. And Paul knew then who he was in light of God and God's plan. Paul then prayed that others would know God, would know who they were in light of God and God's plan. And Paul asked them then to pray. It feels like there's a cycle there, and that is what family can look like. Who are we? Who am I in relationship to you? Do I understand that the big head parent of this family loves me? Therefore, I am a child of God on equal footing. My job is then to love you and, frankly, to bring as many people into this family as possible. When we were adopting Tobiah, I was explaining to Calista, who was four at the time, that there were a lot of orphans on the planet, like two million. And she looked at me and she said, are we going to adopt all of them? And, and I, I said, said how, how about we start, start with one? But, but do you know, know what God would say? We get, get to adopt all of them. them. Everybody gets to be part of this family. What would happen if we, like Paul, really understood, really understood that every single person, Trump who doesn't know who Blizzard is and Biden who's flipping them upside down. Isn't that weird? Who cares about the blizzards? Is this what we're going to base our vote on in a few? Anyway. From whoever the newest recruit on the NBA who is 7'4", that guy's tall, 
to the, the horrible referee on the soccer field that screwed, screwed up the game for my kids last week. They are all welcomed into this family. What would happen if we grew in wisdom and understanding that God's ways are higher than mine, and I, with all of my brokenness, I have been invited? If I got that understanding and revelation further and further from the Holy Spirit, what would happen if we grasped that we are fellow heirs? If we say we believe in Jesus, the walls are broken down. We don't get to say Catholic, Lutheran, Bethany Lutheran College, whatever. We can have disagreements about theology, and I think it's okay. But how we speak of each other, how we think of each other. What about those who don't attend church anywhere, but they still say they love Jesus? I think they're still part of the family. What about those people that vote that way or don't really, don't really agree about abortion and human sexuality and global warming and, 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 and. If we are in Christ, the scriptures say we are one family, fellow heirs, co-receivers of the promise. We are family. And if we are going to be family, it is like those papers that Brian and I signed and we stood before the... Uh, government place where we had to declare because he wasn't old enough to say we like said it for him for his citizenship right yeah we did that for Tobiah we are family whether we like it or not whether he likes it or not let me put it like this imagine you you're just living your life in Mankato or St. Peter or wherever you live and suddenly you get a letter in the mail that says you are royalty we, we have just discovered that you are part of the royal line, and, and here is a plane ticket. You're going to come over to England, and we've got a spot for you. And, and William and Kate are just putting aside a bedroom, and you've got your own kitchen, your own staff. And you get to bring everybody with you. And you get to explore, and maybe like the royalty thing right now in England is a bad example, but you get to be now part of this royal family, and you get all of the benefits of it. And you, and you get, get to have security with where you live. And you know who your family is. And unless you choose to leave like Gary and Megan did, they don't get the benefits anymore of being royals, right? You get to receive it. And all you got to do is take this plane ticket and get on the plane. Pastor Libby made that reference. And what she said was, that is what it was like for the Gentiles. Who perhaps looked at the Jews and said, I am never going to be like that. I am just going to watch them on Twitter or on Yahoo News and see what Kate is wearing and how she really does look like Princess Diana. We get to have that for eternity. We get to know that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, who is a good king, the best parent, has asked us to be part of this family. We are on solid footing and solid ground. And if we grasp that, we are not just a church. We are a family. We will do life together. We will help raise Luna. When you die, we're going to do your funeral, and we're going to be there for your family and all of the things in between. Sorry. That got real dark real fast. So number one, have you ever received this? And Brian, you can come up. Have, have you, you ever received it? Have you gotten that offer for that plane ticket and you just said, no thanks, I don't want to be part of this family. That is okay. This is a safe place for you, but if it's not okay with you anymore, say yes today. We want you to be part of the family. Maybe you need more of that understanding. 
crack open the book of Ephesians, it's probably on your phone somewhere. Maybe you need to get to a small group because you on your own, it's just not cutting it. And you need to have help. In person. And then lastly, might we be like Paul? And pray. Pray that we become a family. Pray like family. Care about one another. So that the world can know who God is. And to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work with us, because we can't do this on our own, he would get the glory in Jesus Christ throughout all generations. Amen.